You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. We're in the middle of the ninth chapter of Shabbat. In principle, we're discussing carrying, and the whole of the first few chapters of Shabbat are about carrying. But in practice, we're on a discursus, on a little excursion, which is focused on really, you know, how do we know we're keeping the right mitzvot? Where do they come from? And we're in the middle of a sequence of seven questions, which all begin effectively with minayin. From where? Minayin is from where? And it means from where in the Torah and the Tanakh. Although their translator is, how do we know? From what verse do we know? So there's this sequence of, I mean, seven's a magic number. We, we know that anyway. And sometimes you see a sequence of seven sugiot in seven discussions in the Talmud. So we got seven sayings, essentially, in the middle of our Mishnah before we go back to carrying. So here we go. How do we know that a ship is clean, i.e. a ship cannot when the Mishnah says Svina um, Torah, a ship is clean, it means that the, the ship can't be made unclean. It can't take on too much. Because the, the, we have a, a verse in, in, in Mishlei, the way of a ship is in the midst of the sea. And of course, the Mishnah knows that the sea, just like a mikveh, cannot be made unclean. You can't make the sea unclean, just like a mikveh, just like a, actually a sefer, sefer Torah. There are certain things that can't be made unclean. And a ship, as it happens, a ship, because it sits in the middle of the sea, also we can't be made unclean. And the commentators say, look, even if it's made, even if it's made of earthenware and it's loaded up with stuff, you know, like food before it goes into the sea, it can't be made unclean. It's as if it's a axiom of the knowledge about ships, that they can't be made unclean. Mishnah goes on. Minayin. La'arugashi hi shisha shisha. Tfachim she zorim b'tocha. What about a furrow? This is a big fat furrow, and it's six handbreadths square. So think about a square about 18 inches across. We got an 18 inch across square of earth. And we're going to sow in it five kinds of seeds, one on each side of the square and one in the middle. And the one in the middle, by the way, we said this is six tfachim square. So the one in the middle is going to be three tfachim, basically. The, the one in the middle is going to be three tfachim away from the edges. And three tfachim is the critical mass for kilaim, for mixed species. If two plants are three tefachim away, then they're not considered three species. And the Mishnah knows this halacha, by the way. All these are examples of halachot, which the Mishnah knows. But as we said yesterday, the Mishnah is trying to find a verse to hang the halacha on. As if the verbal tradition is not enough. We need a verse. So we're going to bring a verse. It's from Yeshayahu. There's actually a lot of, there's quite a lot from Yeshayahu, by the way. In this sequence of seven seems to go, keep returning to questions of Tuma and Tahara. And it seems to 
keep coming back to Isaiah, and I can't quite explain it. I, I cannot say I've completely cracked the poetry and the symmetry of these seven, but we, we know they're a set. So we're going to bring a verse from Yeshayahu, because the uh, as the earth brings forth her growth, a garden, her seeds, seeds, her seeds flourish. And the Mishnah is going to note, it doesn't say seed in the singular, but seeds. So the idea is you're going to have, you can have multiple seeds in a garden. And that alludes anyway to the, the fact that these five kinds of seed, they're all three tfachim apart from one another. They don't create a problem with kilaim, with diverse species. Let's keep going. The next Mishnah, by the way, has a textual problem. I should warn you about this. There's two versions of this Mishnah. One in the printed text. I brought you a photograph of the Kaufman manuscript because the Kaufman actually carries both versions. It's got the main version written out on the text, which you can. I hope you can see on the screen. It's on the source sheet. And the correction is in the margin. So someone must have thought the correct... And the correction, by the way, is what is in our printed text today. So someone must have thought the corrected version is right, but the original version actually plays much better with the poetry of this sequence of seven questions, and it plays better with the pshat of the drash, and by the way, with the halacha. So there are, let's say there are good arguments for both versions. But let, let's just read the version out of the Kaufman. Minayin la folletet she... How do we know that a woman who discharges semen on the third day, that she's clean? And then if you look in the margin of Kaufman, you'll see that the, the corrector. There's quite a few corrections, by the way, in Kaufman, and they're normally good corrections. That Normally they make sense. The corrector has written Tmea at the side. Instead of to hurrah, he's written to me. Instead of clean, he's written unclean. And I've put them both for you in the square brackets, by the way, in the source sheet. And how do we know? Because we have the Pasuk. Actually, this is from the Torah. The men are told before receiving the Torah, don't come near a woman for three, but be ready for the third day. And you can read this both ways. You can read this, by the way, that Women are clean on the third day and they were able to receive the Torah. Or you can read that they were unclean on the third day and therefore, you know, three whole days or more were necessary. You can read it both ways. And the halakha, by the way, follows uh, the halakha and that's brought down, I think, in Zavin is, is Torah. The halakha is Torah as far as I, I know. It's a Mishnah, I think, in Zavin. Let's keep going. Minayin. Shimar et Let's say we have a baby who's had brit milah. How do we know that we can give him a bath in warm water on the third day? By the way, the Mishnah assumes here we're going to give him a bath on the first and the second days if they fall on Shabbat. The question the Mishnah is trying to get at is, well, okay, for how long after the milah do we break Shabbat to give the, give the, the baby a bath, a warm bath? This is probably using water that's already, this is not lighting a fire. This is using water that's already kind of being kept warm on Shabbat. How do we know that giving a bath extends to the third day? 
we um, are going to quote a pasuk actually from the parsha we le- we read last week. The people of Shechem, very interesting. What we're, we're bringing, I mean, you know, these are not halachic. You know, this is not halachic drash because the learning mainstream halacha in the Talmud, you would never, never learn a halacha from you know the story of the people of Shechem in Bereshit. But it does say, It happened on the third day, and they were in pain. We know that Brit Milah is creates pain on the third day, so we can give the baby a bath. How do we know that a crimson-colored strap is tied to the head of the goat that's sent out? This is sent out on Yom Kippur. This is the goat that carries our sins out to Azazel. Back to Isaiah. If your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And, you know, by reputation, this red thread changed to white when the i think when the animal fell off the cliff and then we're going to have then finally we're going to bring so we're going to close this sequence with a mission with, with a question about yom kippur so we're still interestingly we we've drifted from yom kippur to yom kippur so th- 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 there are themes there are themes in this sequence of seven and it's consistent me nine how do we know that a more anointing is the same as drinking on Yom Kippurim? Now, this is really interesting because there is a Mishnah uh, in the first Mishnah in Yoma says Yom Kippurim asur bishtia on Yom Kippur it's forbidden to eat and to drink and to wash and to anoint. And to wear leather shoes and so on and have sex. Those are the the five um, prohibitions of Yom Kippur. But as it happens, they are not the same. And the Mishnah must know perfectly well they are not the same. Because the primary mitzvah on Yom Kippur is not to eat. And there's a terrible punishment of karet, of cutting off for someone who eats or drinks on Yom Kippur. The other prohibitions are separate. They are prohibitions, but they're not of the same order. And the Mishnah must know this. But we're going to bring a pa- we're going to, and we're going to bring a pasuk from Tehillim again. This is not a halachic pasuk. How do we know that anointing is the same as drinking on Yom Kippur? And it's not. Even though there's no proof for it, there's a hint of it. Shenemar vatavochamayim bekirbor. Water came into his. Uh, water came into his inward parts, like like it came into his inward parts, like water. Vecha shemen baatzmotav, and like oil into his bones. So into Hillem, um, oil seems to be compared to water, and the oil, of course, is for anointing, and the water is for drinking. And with this, we conclude the sequence of seven and i just want to show you uh, uh, we, we conclude the sequence of seven and i want to show you that the language is parallel so here we've said uh, as we conclude and here's the pasuk and you'll remember when we started off we began with a discussion about 
potsherds and how much of a potsherd created a minimal quantity for carrying on Shabbat. And Rabbi Meir said, And he quotes from Isaiah, Even though there is no proof of the matter, there is a hint. That was the first of the seven. And the one we've just learned today is the last of the seven. So they, they begin with this phrase, even though there's no proof, there's a hint. And they end with the phrase, even though there's no proof, there's a hint. It's like poetry. It's halachic poetry interspersed into the middle of, of the ninth chapter of our Mishnah. And having, if you like, displayed this piece of halachic poetry, tomorrow we're going to get back to the nitty gritty of going through all the different things that we might carry on Shabbat with the necessary critical mass for each one. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict.